Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Mark 1, 29 to 39, last week uh, we looked at Jesus going into the synagogue, we could say going to church, and there he was preaching and he healed a man who was demon-possessed of his affliction. People in that congregation were in awe at his message, in awe and amazement at his miracle. Now this week we're going to find Jesus and his disciples leaving church. They're going to go to the home of Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and Jesus continues to perform miracles there in that little village of Capernaum. And he does that, all of Jesus' miracles were done, to reinforce his message, his message of repent and believe, his message, gospel message. So let's read verses 29 to 39, and it says, And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Before we study this together, will you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, uh, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be active. We know he's present. There's believers here who have gathered together, each one with the, uh, with the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But I pray that you'd remove any obstructions, any distractions, that his, whole, that his uh, spirit of illumination, the Holy Spirit's uh, ministry, of illuminating the truth of your word to us would have free reign here. Um, Lord, again, we pray most of all that we're not just gaining knowledge this morning, learning something new, not just being informed, but the Holy Spirit's the one who takes your living word and transforms us. I pray that would happen here this morning as we look at the life of Jesus Christ and seek to follow him. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, verses 29 to 31, the very first thing we see here is a rescue by Jesus. And um, I want to read verses 29 uh, to the very first part of 31 again. It says, and forthwith, uh, here in the King James, that is the same Greek word as straightway, euthus. 
I don't know why God had Mark switch it up here. Maybe he's like, you've already used straightway 10 times in the first 28 verses, and you need to find a synonym. But the King James Version chooses to use some different words here. But we could say, and straightway, verse 29, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John, and they find Simon's wife there, uh, Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, lay sick of a fever, and then it says anon. Guess what? Same Greek word, euthis, meaning straightway. And, so, and straightway, they told him of her, and he came. This is the one I want to focus on first when we see the rescue of Jesus, and it's just this. It's Jesus coming. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospels are what we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they contain the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent and believe that Jesus came down for us. And that's really what I want to focus on is Jesus coming. We learned that a couple of weeks ago. You want to know what the start of the gospel is? It isn't, doesn't start with me. It doesn't start with you. It starts with God. God came down for us, amen, in Jesus Christ. This is what makes Christianity unique among any other religion. There's not people trying to get to God. No, God came down for us, and Jesus came. We see this uh, here in verse 20. He come out of the synagogue, and he goes to Simon and Peter, uh, Simon, Peter, and Andrew's house. We're going to find out later in verse 31. I am guessing that after they got done with church, all right, they called synagogue. It was on Saturday. We're in church on Sunday. After they got done, they're probably going there to eat. That's what people do. And they did it straightway, it says, forthwith, straightway. And some of y'all do that too. In about, oh, Lord willing, 20, 25 minutes, you're going to straightway go out to eat. You are. I see some of you do that. That's okay. Uh, I've got to think, I'm thinking that's what they do too. We have two services here. Uh, we've been doing that for a long while. And I remember when we first started at, uh, we have an 845 one and an 11, uh, 11 one. And somebody asked me, that goes to the early one. They said, which service is harder to preach at? I, they said, it's probably the first one, right? Because you got Sunday school coming up. You got that time crunch. And I said, I kind of joked with them. And I said, honestly, no, I feel like this is the more difficult one to preach. Because uh, in that first one, I'm only standing between Baptist and Sunday school. In this one, I'm standing between Baptist and San Jose. All right, so that time crunch is a lot more uh, significant here. Um, but we find Jesus and his disciples in verse 29. They come in straightway, straightway out of the synagogue. But it, look, it was for what, way more than lunch. It was for way more than lunch. See, worship wasn't done. Worship wasn't done, folks. Church wasn't done. Ministry wasn't done. It, it would continue. And I'm so glad you've come here. And you've joined together. This church has been faithful throughout the past few months. And, um, but it was so much more uh, for lunch then that they left. And it's your, God's design that you come together and worship. It is. We're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together in corporate worship. And this is a worship service. That's what we call it. But please do not let worship end in 25 minutes. Please don't let service end. Please don't let ministry end because you are the church. And it's equally God's design, yes, to come together. This is God's purpose, but it's equally God's design for you to go out, all right, for service and ministry to continue through his church after church. The church is a Greek word for it is ekklesia. It means called out once. You've been called out of a world that doesn't believe, and now you do, all right? But you've been called to come out just like Jesus does. Here, they don't stay in the synagogue. And, no, they come out and we find out that they come out to continue worship and they come out to continue service and ministry. We see this. They get to Simon Peter's house and Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever and straightway they told him about her. They came. Jesus came. I, I got a feeling he knew what he was going to find at that house. Um, when he called Simon Peter and Andrew a couple weeks back, 
He said, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men, right? Jesus came to them. And here in verse 29, we find Jesus coming to people again. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are to come to people with his life-transforming message. We are to be Jesus came to this world, you and I. Look at Jesus' control in verse 31. So he finds his mother-in-law sick, bedridden. And it says in verse 31, and he came. And I love this. He took her by the hand and he lifted her up. And immediately, straightway again, straightway the fever left her and she ministered unto them. So this is what they find. This is what Jesus finds. Mother-in-law sick, very sick, bedridden. And they told Jesus of her. It's a straight way or anon, they told him of her. I don't know if they told him because they expected him to heal her. He hadn't healed anybody yet. He cast out a demon, at least in Mark's gospel. I don't know if they just said, you know, wanted to explain why, why she was absent. You know, she was upstairs, she was sick. Um, but I knew, no, they had just seen Jesus' power and his message that he spoke at that synagogue. And they just seen Jesus' power in casting out a demon. So it's possible that they said, let's take this painful problem to Jesus. And one of the things I love, as we study Jesus' miracles, there's a lot of them here in Mark. Matthew, Luke, and John, they like to focus on Jesus' sermons. That's a good thing. But the Gospel of Mark focuses a lot more on Jesus. It says Jesus preached, but it focuses a lot more on Jesus' miracles. And and, and what he's done. And I love when we see him. We're going to study a lot of them here. We get to see Jesus' sovereign control in every single situation. Look, there is such an underlying message when we look at how he heals people and the manner in which he delivers people. That should help you and I trust that, hey, he's all powerful. He's all sovereign. He's in control. Uh, he's capable of taking care of anything. You know, back in verse 25 last week, when he cast a demon out of that man, how did he do it? He said, silence, come out of him. Look at this. What did he do here? Did he tell her to get up? No, he grabbed her hand, didn't say a word, lifted her up. Sometimes it's a hand. We're going to find out later. Sometimes it's not a hand, it's just the hem of his garment. We're going to find out later that sometimes it's not that. He gets some mud and puts it on someone's eyes. And a person who never was able to see is now able to see. We're going to find out later, he uses words again. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He doesn't have to use that. He doesn't get, you don't have to put him in a box. This is Jesus. He's in sovereign control. And we get to see how he can handle any situation we might face in our lives. It's not magic. It's not some homeopathic or pharmaceutical secret. This is a life-giving, life-transforming person who created you. And if you're a believer, who recreated you. He's got that power just in his word. But you don't ever get stuck in a box. And the miracles of Jesus, we find deliverance come in many different ways. But always and only through the way. Through the straight way, through the way, the truth, and the life. It only happens through him. Salvation's found in no one else. There's no other, no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Look at the reach of Jesus in verses 32 to 34. First of all, in 32 and 33, Jesus' reach is to all. We find the word all here to describe the continuing ministry of Jesus on into the night. 32 says, And that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and that were possessed with devils. 33, And all the city was gathered together at the door. Now, I've read a bunch of commentaries on this, and they're like, oh, God had Mark use hyperbole there. It was just trying to say there's a lot of people. I don't know why we got to do that. Why do we do that? If God's word says all, it can mean all. Amen? I mean, this is Jesus who we're talking about here. Do you, is it possible that all who were sick came to him? I think so. Why do we got to try to explain away the power of God? 
Let's not do that. The reach of Jesus is to all. That's what his word says. I know you know this verse, John 3, 16, right? For God, you can say it with me, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to Acts 17, 30 when Paul says to the people in Athens, therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now calls on all people everywhere to repent. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared and it's bringing salvation to all men. He's brought it to all. Will you take it? Will you take it? Are you part of the all? You are. If you're here, you're living, you're breathing, you're part of the all. And then he offers it to you. His reach is to all. Revelation 22.17, we can go to the very end of the Bible. The last chapter, it says in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, he says, Come. And the bride, that's you and me, were to say, come. His reach is to all. Let him that heareth, that's you again and me, say, come. Let him that's a thirst come. Are you thirsty? Jesus says, come. His reach is to all. And whosoever will, it says, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. His reach is to all. Here in verse 32 and 33, whosoever, whosoever will come to him. Now, one more thing in verse 32, I want you to notice before we Look at some other things about Jesus' reach. It says in verse 32 that even when the sun did set, it's nighttime, it says they, they brought unto him all. You see, there were some compassionate individuals who brought the all to Jesus for deliverance. I hope you've come, but if you have, then you have a responsibility to be these people, to bring people to Jesus for deliverance. To be Jesus. To be Jesus came. We see Jesus reached now is for anything. Look at verse 34. It says, and he healed many that were sick of different diseases. He wasn't, well, I got the cure for this, but I don't know how to deal with this. No. Healed many who were sick of divers diseases. He cast out many devils. He suffered the devils not to speak because they knew him. Demon possession. Jesus will take care of that. Demon oppression. That's what we face. Jesus take care of that. What about sickness? He can handle it. What about relationship problems? Financial problems? Emotional heartache? Pick your 2020 aspect. Can Jesus handle it? He can. His reach of Jesus is to all and is for anything. Here's another reason I don't think that there's an exaggeration in the all. Um, Capernaum had a lot of sick people. It was a town known for mineral hot springs. Back then, that was very common medicinal treatment. Here's a problem. It didn't always work. It didn't always work fast. Um, but then Jesus came. And they heard about Jesus. <laughs> and he comes teaching like they never heard before. And he comes casting out a demon. Never seen that before. And here's a bedridden lady on death's door. And he just lifts her by the hand. Well, word's going to get out in a town with a lot of sick people who want to be well. And they brought them all to Jesus. Where pain festers in a community, that's where Jesus went. And that's where his followers should go. Where pain festers in a community, that's where the church needs to be. Because that's where Christ went. Jesus' reach was to all. And his reach was for anything. 
Before we move on to our last point here, I want to address something because we've seen it twice. We saw it once last week, and I didn't take time then, but we even see it more explicitly this week. Back in verse 25, when Jesus is in the synagogue teaching and he casts out that demon, he says, silence and come out of him. Now here in verse 34, uh, it says that when he cast out many devils, he suffered the devils not to speak because they knew him. Well, why? I mean, last week, that one crying out in the middle of church, he was just saying church stuff. He's saying, I know you're Jesus. I know you're the Holy One of God, and you've come to destroy us. Why would Jesus stop that? That was Jesus' message. He wanted people to accept him. And I think here's an important thing we can learn, because the gospel message needs to come. It's, it's best delivered, not through an unclean spirit, but through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Um, see, the conduit is just as important for the message as the actual communication. The tone that we use is just as important as what is being transmitted. Here's an example. Like if you text me, you already know this. But if you text me, you're probably going to get a lot of emojis. Not because I like emojis. I think they're kind of dumb myself. But because I want to make sure you know what I mean what in my message, what my tone is. So if we're texting and I say thanks a lot, you're going to get smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. Because I want you to know I mean thanks a lot and not Thanks a lot. All right? Same with how we talk. You could say something to me and I'll say, great. Or I can say, great. It's really important. This is what Jesus is teaching us here. Why didn't he allow these demons to say, yeah, you're Jesus? Because he wanted the message to come from the Holy Spirit, not from an unclean spirit. Now look, we're Christians, right? We're not perfect. We're not sinless. A Christian is a sinner that's saved by grace, that's battling sin, that's still going to make mistakes. But it's important that we learn that if we're going to bring people to Jesus, we need to do all we can through the things he's given us, through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through wheat meeting together, uh, through prayer, to make sure we're as a clean conduit as we can be in communicating that message. A Christ-like conduit, a lot more powerful, <laughs> can be a lot more powerfully used by God to deliver that message. A transformed tone, one that, man, I know how you used to talk. There's a revival happened in Wales uh, in a mining area back in, I think, the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it so changed that community that they used to use donkeys in the mines to carry the carts up. They had to teach them all new vocabulary because the people stopped swearing and stopped using foul language. God had done such an amazing thing in that community. Like, it affected the actual mining industry because the donkeys didn't know what the people were saying anymore because they weren't talking filthy. A transformed tone. A whole different lifestyle. That is what makes the gospel powerful when, when people see a change in your life. Now, don't be afraid to share the gospel. All right, we're commanded to, but let's do all we can to make sure that we're doing it through a, a Holy Spirit-transformed life. Now, let's look at the resources for Jesus. Last thing we'll look at, first of all, Jesus-dependent prayer, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out, Jesus went out, and he departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Look, if God, if the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, 100% God and 100% man, if he was this dependent on God through prayer, then I think you and I can gather as his followers that we probably need to be at least as much. Don't you think? At the beginning of his ministry, right after he was baptized, we looked at that a few weeks ago, Jesus goes out into the wilderness, a solitary place. He goes there to fast and pray. He's like, I've got three years that are going to be crazy ahead of me, and I need you, God. I can't do it without you. This is what Jesus says. It's actually there that he's tempted, right? 
that Satan likes to get in the way of your prayer life. He does. I think John Owen, old Puritan preacher, said this, um, prayer uh, will get in the way of sin, or sin is going to get in the way of prayer. We need to be dependent on prayer. We see things here from Jesus. Look at uh, some, some characteristics about his dependent prayer life here. It said in verse 35, he got up pretty early, a great while before the day. Um, he got up there because it was before other activities and distractions could interfere with how dependent he was on prayer. He got up um, in a, he went to a solitary place, went there so that distractions and other things couldn't detour his dependence on God. And he's also, we see here, it's really necessary. This was not an optional thing. Like, I hope I can fit prayer in somewhere today. This was an optional thing for Jesus. He was dependent. He had just got done with a very long day of ministry, right? Preaching in a synagogue, casting out a demon. He's battling the spiritual forces of evil. Then he goes, thinks he's going to get lunch. He's got to help uh, Peter's mother-in-law. He heals her. And when the word gets out there, and they bring the entire city to him. Couldn't have done it without prayer. He needed restoration. And we're going to find out he's about to go on day two. It looks just like that. And he's got no way of, of doing Look, you and I, we can do church. I can do ministry in Jason's power. It's going to be really rough and sad. You can lead your home. Husbands, you can lead your home. Wives, you can lead your home. You can parent without Jesus. You can parent without prayer. I don't suggest it. Be dependent on God, knowing that he, he will bless when we do this, it's hard. Uh, we always say finding time. The reality is time's a standard. We all have the same amount of time. We don't though, right? Because we put things in there. We fill it up. And so you, look, you've got to allocate time for prayer. You have to have the same attitude Jesus did. This is necessary. And I've got to, listen, moms, tell your husband, I have got to go find time for prayer. And dads help them. Husbands, tell your wife, I've got to do this. Moms and dads, join together with your family in prayer. Let your kids see the importance of prayer. If Jesus said it was important, God, help us to do this. We pray. You know, sometimes I think, look, we open the service in prayer, and then Daniel came and prayed, and then I pray before, and there's going to be a prayer after. I hope you learn from that how important prayer is. I hope I do. Like, sometimes I'm like, man, let's just not go through the motions here. They're not prayers that we make up or that we read. Just us honestly speaking to God. I know that's what Jesus is doing here, but it won't ever happen if we don't recognize how necess necessary it is. It won't happen if we don't plan it. Like you've got to at least try to plan it into your day or remind yourself. Don't beat yourself up over it, but like set an alarm, a notification on your phone. Just get into the habit of being dependent on God through prayer. You know, um, I think we can learn from Jesus that it might be the best form of self-care. Dependent prayer on God. After a crazy day, <laughs> right before a crazier day, for a crazy three years, he was dependent on prayer. And even then, we see the call of the urgent, right? Look at verse 36. He's trying to get away, spend time with God. And 36, Simon and they that were with him, they followed after him. And verse 37, when they found him, they sent unto, me, sent unto him, all men seek thee. I mean, by implication, they're saying, what are you doing here, Jesus. How are you supposed to be popular? How are you going to be a popular pastor, a popular leader if you're not here? If you're not casting out demons, if you're not healing the sick, if you're not preaching? Now, we can learn some pretty interesting things from Jesus' response. In verse 38, he said unto them, Well, let's go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. 
I think it's noteworthy Jesus doesn't apologize for his absence. He doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry. I was just out here trying to get some me time and spend time with God. He doesn't say, I'm sorry. He's trying to show us how necessary it is. He also doesn't remain apathetic. He knew of people's needs. And so he says in verse 38, all right, well, let's go to the next towns that I might preach there also. And here's his second resource. He was dependent on prayer, but he was also dependent on his purpose. He knew why he had come. It wasn't just to do miracles. It wasn't to become popular. In fact, he's leaving this town where things are going. He's going to another town because his, his whole purpose in coming was to preach, was to share the gospel, was to point people to the straight way. Miracles, marvelous. They're there to reinforce his message. Prayer, necessary. But Jesus' devoted purpose was to preach the gospel, to tell others, to repent and believe, to come to others. Jesus met, we, got, we can learn, so amazing we had this in Sunday school, like God worked this out. Um, Jesus met people's human, temporal, physical needs, didn't he? People were sick, he healed them. In Sunday school we were talking about the feeding of the 5,000 he did. He met people's human, physical, temporal needs. But you know why he did it? He did it so that they would be open to their greater, eternal, spiritual need. To repent and believe. To have eternal life. His miracles were designed to, to remove earthly obstructions and obstacles so they could actually see the heavenly opportunity that was before them. Miracles are important. But his devoted purpose was preaching. It was sharing the gospel the good news that Jesus had come to save them, that they could be free from the penalty of sin, didn't have to die, didn't have to go to hell. They could be free of the power of sin over their lives. They could follow him. And, and were things that they used to love, now they hate. They have victory over them. Things that they used to not care much about, now they love. He could transform their lives. And look, in our following Jesus, we ought to follow that same pattern. I mean, we say we follow him. That's what I mean. Yes, we need to meet people's temporal, physical needs. That's what Jesus did. If you know of a need, God brings it before you. Meet it if you can. If you can't, as a church, let's, wherever pain's festering in our community, let's go there. Let's be Jesus there. But notice this. He never removed those earthly obstacles without the gospel. He didn't. He was always in concert with, it was always in combination with the message that actually transforms lives. The message actually gives eternal life. And, and here's what I mean, and I, please don't take this the wrong way, but I think we can get out of balance. We can either just preach the gospel and never care about people's physical needs and never be Jesus to them like that, or there's some people out here and they take care of people's physical needs. You know, they, they do good things, but they never share in the gospel. And to me, listen, I cannot think of anything worse than feeding someone who's hungry or clothing someone who is naked and destitute and then not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them and sending them to hell well-fed and well-clothed. I just can't think of anything worse than, than removing the earthly obstacles that God might have allowed in their life just so that they could seek him. We need to do that. We need to be Jesus, reach out, meet their temporal, physical needs, but always with the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad we do that. We talked about OCC. Thank you. It's awesome to be. I didn't even know about OCC, like, like, not like y'all do it here. Like I knew about shoeboxes. I didn't know about 3,000. You know, and you pack, all, all year long, you buy this stuff, and then we have this packing party, and it really is a party. <laughs> we have fun doing it. But those boxes don't just go to Burma and Venezuela and the Congo. 
so that those kids' lives can be a little better for a few days with a bouncy ball and shoes and toothpaste and things like that? What accompanies those boxes? The, yeah, ministry, message, people talk, teaching about Jesus Christ. Your bouncing ball leads to saved lives, amen? Praise the Lord. We always do it with that. When we go to second chance, and COVID's kind of prevented that, but faithful people in this church who serve there, homeless people in our community who make desserts, really good-looking desserts, right, for these people, and you, I mean, that, that need, they're hungry. But never are they fed until they have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've seen souls saved there. So we got to do both. Let's not be a church who only does this or only does this. Like we're doing good deeds, great. But combine it. Do the Jesus way. We're to follow Jesus. Meet people's physical needs, but always giving the gospel message. That's Jesus' devoted purpose. And it has to be ours as well. Look, I'm glad you come to church this morning. But don't let worship end here. Don't walk out those doors and let worship in. Take it to San Jose. All right, take it to wherever you're going. Let ministry and service continue. Be Jesus came. And please don't ever forget to call people to repent and believe. Um, A burden this morning. I woke up. I don't know why. Foggy, maybe cloudy. I like cloudy weather. And I like the cool breeze. But I had a heavy burden on me. Because look, here's the deal. Time is short, church. I'm not saying that as a prophet. I don't, I'm saying that as a preacher. He told us, behold, I come quickly. And if that was true 2,000 years ago, it's a lot truer now. When you look around and see what has happened in this crazy year, time is short. We don't have time to mess around. We need to be dependent on prayer. We need to be devoted to our purpose and not let Satan distract us with things in this world. Time is short. I don't know how much longer we have. And so if there's one watching or anyone here and you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, I'd ask you to do that today. We're going to have a time of invitation. We're old school church. We allow people to respond to God's word. And as we sing this song, if you never trusted as Christ and Savior and God's moving you to do that today, I'd love to show you how. You can come on down. It's on the back of our bulletin. It's on our website. Don't let today pass without you being saved, without you being born again. But Christian, is there anything in your life this morning that you're like, I need Jesus to reach this? Don't hold it back. Let him have it. He can do anything. The reach of Jesus is to everybody. And it's for anything. Why wouldn't you give it to him? Let that burden go. Roll it onto him this morning. And um, let's make sure we have the same dependence on the resources Jesus had. Prayer, talking to him, <laughs> listening, listening to him. And then also being devoted to that purpose. Because time is short. Uh, great movements of God. As Tommy and the praise team come. Look, great movements of God. There's been revivals happen. We talked about one this morning. They've never happened without people being dependent in prayer. Never happened without a recovery of a love for the word of God. And they've never happened when people have been distracted from their purpose. From their main thing. So God help us this morning to be devoted to those things.